This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, welcome to Newsmax Daily, your inside track for all things Newsmax. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, and it's Ash Wednesday, a mainly Catholic observance that also marks the beginning of Lent. That's the 40-day period of prayer, receptance, and fasting that ends with Easter Sunday and a lot of chocolate. Oddly enough, today's made-up holiday is National Margarita Day established sometime in the 1990s to celebrate the great Mexican cocktail. There's really no history of why it is celebrated on February 22nd, but unless you're giving up margaritas for Lent, go enjoy. President Biden's surprise trip overseas has dominated the political headlines for the past two days and is continuing today after speaking in Warsaw, Poland again this morning and committing another $500 million aid package to Ukraine Monday. The president will return to Washington tonight. Meanwhile, here in the United States, Vice President Harris is in Maryland discussing a new program to help potential homeowners, and former President Donald Trump is visiting the devastated homeowners of East Palestine, Ohio. He's scheduled to donate supplies and more than a dozen pallets of water to the community that's been dealing with the aftermath of that massive train derailment that led to the release of toxic chemicals in the community. Former White House Press Secretary during the Trump administration and Newsmax host Sean Spicer took issue on Tuesday with at least one of President Biden's comments in Poland. And I had a very senior staff member on the Foreign Relations Committee. The next youngest person on that committee was uh, 32 years older than me. Wow. So let's see. He was 37 plus 32. That just doesn't seem to add up. Does anyone else find that claim to be a tad outrageous? For context, let's go back to this. He's referring to a trip he made to the Vatican in April of 1980 to visit Pope John Paul II. At the time of that visit, Biden would have been a 37-year-old senator. And again, he claimed that he was 32 years younger than the next oldest member, right? So my math isn't great, but you add 32. That would have meant that the next youngest person was 69. Interesting. Well, our crack staff here at Spicer & Company, they got on the case. And as you can see, Biden's claim are wildly inaccurate. These are just a handful of the members of the Foreign Relations Committee as of April of 1980, and every single one of them is well under the age of 69. Once again, the president's claims are not standing up to this thing that um, they keep calling, oh, the truth. Sean Spicer is host of Spicer and Company, a Newsmax TV staple airing weekdays at five o'clock Eastern. That's right before the record with Greta Van Susteren, who also had some great coverage of Biden's comments in Poland. Poland's generosity, your willingness to open your hearts and your homes is extraordinary. Poland has been generous. The president's message of freedom and generosity is inspirational, but we need more not just to be inspired. We need answers. We are not getting them. In 14 months, the president has given only two press conferences to reporters. Instead, he gives speeches, which allows him to decide what you hear. 
I do not like to pound on the president when he's on foreign soil, but he's not giving press conferences on U.S. soil either. There are critical issues that we citizens need to hear from our president. We may not have boots on the ground in Ukraine, but we are up to our eyeballs involved in this war. I have questions. I bet you do, too. And we also have Putin now shaking the world, saying that he might resume nuclear weapon testing. And he said that he announced he's pulling Russia from the New START Treaty. This is alarming. I have questions for President Biden about this. So speeches are important, but there's a big difference between giving an eloquent speech and answering questions, hard questions. He could do both. He should do both. It's a problem that he's not doing both and not doing them often. As Greta mentioned, Russian President Vladimir Putin was not going to be upstaged by Joe Biden. He gave a speech announcing that he's suspending his country's participation in the nuclear treaty. Our John Bachman spoke with retired senior U.S. Naval Intelligence Officer John Jordan, now a board member at Stanford University's Hoover Institute. John, let's go to you. Uh, because you can speak Russian, I wanted to get your take on what Vladimir Putin said and also how you think that President Biden's speech will, will be received, not just in the Kremlin, but also by the Russian population, whatever parts they get to hear. I was up all night watching that, and that that speech lasted two hours. Um, the big message, what's, what's happening here is what happened in Kiev, and that is a big deal to the Russian elites. You're already seeing a lot of the Russian um, internet space just called bananas about this. Putin's speech was very mild. He didn't pledge anything new or any new strategies. It was very bland. There was no uh, politic backslapping or imagery to go with it. He just said, we're going to keep going on until we're going on. But people in Russia are starting to see that uh, there is no grand plan. There is no um, there is no no progress. You're starting to see that in a lot of their news in a lot of their news shows. Interestingly, you're starting to see what the tensions and fissures in Russia are starting to look like. You have Yevgeny Prigozhin of the Wagner Group now is being cut off by the Russian Ministry of Defense. And now you have Kadyrov, the Chechen leader, starting his own private military company. So it looks like these guys want to arm themselves up and have their own uh, army, so to speak, so that they, if there is a Russian civil war or there is a vacuum, they're ready for it. Um, even Gazprom, the oil company, is starting its own private military contract company. So you're starting to see these different factions arm up in a, in a big way and an open rift between the Russian Ministry of Defense and Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Wagner Group. And again, I don't speak Russian, but you could almost sense some frustration in the room just based on the body language by some of the attendees. You can catch John Bachman now weekdays at noon on Newsmax TV. They always have experts providing insight and analysis that helps you better understand the big stories. And another topic of discussion on all of the news outlets yesterday and today is China. The U.S. warning China again not to aid Russia in any way in the war against Ukraine. But what about the entire access of evil, Iran and North Korea? Tuesday's edition of American Agenda went in-depth with retired U.S. Marine Michael Grimm. We need a roadmap, but not, I think, just with, with what's going on in Ukraine and how we're handling that. But then there's also China. Well, uh, that, right. Then there's also Iran. And we're hearing more and more about North Korea. Of course. You know, that's, and that, that's why this is so complex. This is not just about dealing with Russia. You know, one of the ways that Russia gets put in check is by China. Let's be very clear about that. You know, when, when people were talking about 
them using nuclear weapons. One of the things I said is that I think China would kind of put them in check and not let them use nuclear weapons against NATO allies and so forth, because that doesn't benefit China. China, China unfortunately, benefits no matter what. If Russia comes in and, and they win and take over Ukraine, they win. But if they don't and it's, it's a complete failure and there's a vacuum, China comes in and destabilizes those countries in the, in the Baltics and so on. So China is in a, in a very strong position here either way, and we have to watch that relationship with Russia, China, and then, of course, Iran, who's been supplying those cheap drones that have been helping the Russians as well. Michael Grimm is a common contributor on American Agenda, which you can catch at 2 o'clock Eastern. And let's get more on China with Newsmax's Chris Salcedo. The minute the China spy balloon was spotted and was allowed over our airspace by our government, I, your liberty-loving Latino, said to my team and to some experts we were talking to, that I had concerns about communist China using this low-grade technology to deliver a high-tech payload, like a suitcase nuke, an EMP device, or a bioweapon. Apparently, I wasn't alone. Peter Husey is senior defense fellow at the Hudson Institute and president of geostrategic analysis. In an article entitled, The Chinese Spy Balloon's Hidden Threat to America at National Interest, he writes, If one is not concerned with the multiple thousands of Chinese warheads holding at risk U.S. military capabilities in major American cities, one might contemplate Mike Pillsbury's testimony before the U.S.-China Security Review Commission that warned China could use electromagnetic pulse weapons against the United States electrical grid with catastrophic results. And what is a very efficient and surreptitious method of bringing an EMP weapon over America's heartland? As the late EMP expert Dr. Peter Pry explained numerous times, a key means of delivering such a weapon would be a balloon, end quote. If the U.S. power grid is fried by a terror attack, a solar flare, or an EMP, the loss of life, as projected through government analysis, would indeed be catastrophic. As it would take two years to restore power, that's with a full supply chain that we don't have courtesy of Democrat incompetence. During that time frame, it is estimated that nine in 10 Americans would perish. And that begs the question, why does your government refuse to harden the U.S. power grid from an EMP attack? Apparently, a 90% death rate isn't enough to move the needle to prompt your so-called representatives into taking meaningful action. And apparently some politicians, well, they have different priorities for your money. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Yes, that's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the top Republican. Do most Republicans agree with that? Do you agree with that? Tune in to the Chris Salcedo Show weekdays at 4 for more. And let's switch gears for just a moment to the economy and finances, which is always in the headlines, right? Nothing more important than your money except for your health. The stock market tanked on Tuesday, if you weren't paying attention, in part because of everything that we've just discussed. Tensions with China, Russia's nuclear threat, Biden promising more money to Ukraine, and two of the country's biggest retailers, Walmart and Home 
Home Depot, saying consumer spending is slowing down due to the continued high inflation. I'm Tony Marino. If you're not already watching Newsmax TV, you can find it on most major cable systems, as well as platforms like Roku, Pluto, and Amazon. And if you have AT&T or another provider that doesn't carry Newsmax, call them up, tell them you want Newsmax TV, or you'll switch your service. And be sure to get the Newsmax TV app so you can watch your favorite shows anywhere, anytime on the go. Stay up to date on breaking news at Newsmax.com. Thank you for listening to Newsmax Daily. Be sure to tell all your family and friends about all the Newsmax podcasts. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. And in the meantime, keep fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.